0: Yeah, you know, I think that probably the biggest, maybe most common mistake is um, to kind of just jump into that sales pitch mode, right? Um, you know, you get a guest and they're with a particular company and they have a great product and they want to share it, uh, but they they turn it into that elevator pitch. You know, they just, um, it just kind of starts coming out. And uh, I, I think, you know, when it gets, when, when it turns into that sort of commercial type of a pitch, People are just kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I don't have time for this. Or you know, I hear this all the time. I, I, so my my advice there, I think, would be to you know, as as a maybe an equipment manufacturer or a supplier, um, sort of turn the tables a little bit. Instead of talking about your you know hot new thing, um, maybe talk about the challenge. What does it address? People want to know what does this mean to me. You know, why should I care about this thing that you're talking about? Talk about the issue, talk about the trend um, and how you can bring something to the table to help make the lives easier for these people that are, you know, producing water and collecting wastewater and, and treating it and, and, uh, and serving their community.
1: Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online, Host Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations.
2: Well, I'm very excited for today's guest. Uh, Angela Godwin and I go way back, uh, I think, Angela, when uh, you were at uh, Penwell, and uh, uh, you're now the uh, uh, principal partner at uh, Rogue Monkey Media. And uh, for many years, you've interviewed me, and uh, most recently at uh, this year's WebTech, And uh, now it's my chance and Adam's chance to turn the tables on you for us to be the interviewers and you to be the interviewee.
0: I'm a little nervous, Jim, I got
2: to tell you. <laughs> you're going to do great. I
3: have a feeling. And the reason being, I see your name, face, hear your voice all over the place, social conferences, et cetera. And I would say that you, are you, in my mind, you're kind of like the, um, in many ways, like the voice or the face of the water industry from a, like a social and news point of view. So I want to start there, Angela, like talk to us a bit about how you sort of stumbled into being this known presence around storytelling in water?
0: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I, it's a huge honor to be on your program. Um, second of all, I think you give me way too much credit. Um, I, you know, I think it, in, in many ways it was very accidental, honestly, probably like a lot of people that find themselves in whatever positions they're in. Um, but, you know, I, I started with Penwell um, Publishing, gosh, 18 years ago showing my age a little bit there, but, um, and, uh, you know, it was really kind of accidental that I ended up in water. I was on a completely different publication for, for a couple of years and then found my way to the water group. And so I learned, um, you know, from the beginning, I mean, I was just like probably most Americans where you know, you turn on the tap and the water comes out. I really didn't know much about it, but as soon as I kind of started digging in, I was like, wow, this is, this is fascinating. There's a lot here. Uh, to talk about and to share, um, and not even you know our our readership is not the public, right? Our readership is you know other operators and and um, people that are in the water industry, and there was so much to talk about there and share information, and so um, you know kind of developed a little early on um, our group, the water group was really progressive about doing like video and new media and things that at the time you know 2007 2008 people it wasn't as common people weren't really doing it and we kind of fumbled a little bit found our way and made a lot of mistakes but then had some good successes and I think um, you know at first it was just you're gonna do this like just figure it out and so uh, it kind of grew from there to where I really enjoyed like just meeting people talking to people whether it was on camera or you know in an audio interview or an article or whatever so yeah i mean i could say kind of that's how it all started
2: yeah so so answer why don't you take us through that process i mean obviously when you when you get a guest that you are ready to um interview give us that process that how you go through preparing yourself for for an interview
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think it starts with a little bit of research, you know, I mean, who, who is this person? What, uh, kind of information, what kind of knowledge can they bring to the water industry? Um, you know, what kind of accomplishments maybe have they, have they done? Um, what's, what's different and interesting about this person? Um, and, you know, once I kind of have that, I always like to talk to people ahead of time. I, I don't like to surprise people. And I'm sure you guys run into this too, you know, in your program. Um, I think, you know, in the water industry in particular, because it is a public facing entity, you know, water operators and and field staff and technicians all, you know, they're very uh, sensitive to what they talk about and how they're portrayed. And I totally understand that and I support that. So I always try to um, have a discussion with them ahead of time, make sure we know what we're going to talk about and everyone's cool with it um and then I think the last part is just trying to make people feel comfortable which you know tables are turned today you guys are having to make me feel well comfortable but um and sometimes that's 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 the hardest part because you know if you're not used to doing um interviews especially if it's on camera it can be really just you know they're very nervous and and it's uh I think a lot of our jobs at that point becomes you know, making people feel comfortable and just, uh, alleviate some of that pressure.
3: I certainly wouldn't imagine that you're someone who gets uncomfortable in front of camera, even if the screws are being turned on you as they are now in this very high stakes (laughs) podcast.
0: You you can't hear my heart rate. Like (laughs) see my Fitbit, my, my, yeah, uh, there you go. We
2: we haven't even gotten to the gotcha question.
3: Yeah, that's right. Ah, Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, So one of the reasons I feel like you wouldn't be getting too nervous is because you've served as what I'll call basically a news anchor, if you will, for the water industry. There's actually a program that feels very newsy that you have been a part of as sort of the leading voice, leading face. Could you talk about being that like anchor type role and how you're telling the stories around water that you do on that program?
0: Yeah, so, um, so for, for a lot of years, we had this weekly newscast that we would produce um, under Waterworld when I was with that um, brand. And um, as I was saying earlier in, in the program, the water Waterworld and the Water Group was always really progressive and just trying to kind of push boundaries and see what worked. And that newscast was one of those. And um, it was originally it was hosted by my predecessor, James Laughlin, who was a, a real mentor for me. I mean, he just was just kind of one of those he'd been in the industry for a long time and had a lot to to share um and he got to a point where you know he didn't want to do that anymore it kind of fell to me and I I really didn't know really what I was doing I look back at some of those earlier podcasts and I'm like oh my gosh um but you learn and um I think for me the biggest thing was you know trying you have to remove emotion right from any of those stories so even if you know, if I was reporting on like you know updates on like the BP oil spill or you know any anything like that, I couldn't really like put my own you know commentary or color on that. It was really just you know, here's the facts, here's what's going on, here's what you need to know, and you know get in and and get out. so that that took a little bit of um a little bit of training on my part to to keep that really um you know, just not not color commentary, but um but straight facts. So we did that for yeah, for quite a few years. And um, of course, I've moved on, you know, from from water world. Um, And so nowadays, I still get to interact with um, done a lot of work with water online, for example, talking with various industry experts at trade shows and things like that. So it's, it's great to still be kind of in that, in that role and and keep that fresh. Um, So Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love. That. so so in that regard, Angela, you, you've you've interviewed a lot of people in the in the water technology field and um, Adam and I are always trying to help our audience tell better stories around their products and services. I mean that that's the main focus of this uh, of this podcast. So can you tell us some of the mistakes people are making when they're trying to promote their, their company or their products or their services? What, what are the do's and don'ts that, you know, again, from your perspective, you've been on the other side interviewing these people, you probably have some, oh, that wasn't a good, that wasn't a good way to present your your company (laughs) or your product.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that probably the biggest, maybe most common mistake is um, to kind of just jump into that sales pitch mode, right? Um, You know, you get a guest and they're with a Particular company and they have a great product and they want to share it, uh, but they they turn it into that elevator pitch. You know, they just um, it just kind of starts coming out, and uh, I I think you know when it gets when when it turns into that sort of commercial type of a pitch, people are just kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, I I, I don't have time for this. Or you know, I hear this all the time. I, I so my my advice there I think would be to you know as as a maybe an equipment manufacturer or a supplier. Um, sort of turn the tables a little bit. Instead of talking about your, you know, hot new thing, um, maybe talk about the challenge. What does it address? People want to know, what does this mean to me? You know, why should I care about this thing that you're talking about? Talk about the issue. Talk about the trend um, and how you can bring something to the table to help make the lives easier for these people that are, you know, producing water and collecting wastewater and, and treating it and and uh, and serving their communities.
1: you're listening to the water we talking about podcast we'll be right back after this short break this podcast is produced by water online the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast.
3: I love that. Are there any examples that you have maybe from Rogue Monkey or just your general presence in the industry that you can point to and be like, "Man, this is this is this was fantastic." Like here's a sort of north star example of a great story that was told.
0: Yeah, I think you know. Gosh, uh, God, so so many opportunities to talk to people. Um, But I think some of the ones that really, really, really stand out, um, and these aren't necessarily these aren't um, vendors, but just personalities that really captivate. um, George Hawkins, and I know you guys know George. but this is somebody that, you know, within a few words, he's he's grabbed you in, right? Like he just he's so um, inspirational. And I think that that comes through and he's able to um, impart that to anybody that's that's watching. And it's it's very powerful and it's rare, you know, to have have guests like that. Um, uh, I think another one, um, Dr. Barnard, brother of BNR, um, that was a huge honor to be able to uh interview him and I think just from the perspective of how much he had um contributed you know to the industry it was um it was very inspiring and just kind of I was in awe you know the whole time I was talking to him like I can't believe I was getting just speak to, to him <laughs> you know um so there are a few like that um but uh I think you know for the most part they're kind of the guests I've talked to are I don't want to say like just kind of regular people, but not people that are used to speaking to an audience. And sometimes those are kind of—I don't want to say more fun, but there's a little bit of a, more of a challenge there as as the as the interviewer, you know, to um, make them comfortable and kind of extract the information that 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 you want to get. Which you guys, I mean, you know that probably better than anybody. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: So um you've been you've been interviewing quite a few people. I, I know you had a chance at WEFTEC to interview a whole range of people. Can you give us a sense of what trends you really see are on the horizon now um that really, you know, we should we should be looking at as a water as a water or a community uh to understand a little better?
0: Yeah, I do. I think there's a couple that that bubble up and I don't wouldn't say that they are like new, new, but I think there's probably maybe a little bit more attention, Um, obviously resiliency. I mean, we're, you know, dealing with extreme weather and we've got to be prepared for emergencies. And so I think just, um, you know, talking about utilities that are doing things right, you know, showing examples of how, you know, utilities that maybe aren't, um, used to extreme weather, you know, have learned lessons, things like that to um, help others be prepared. I think that's probably one of the really big ones that's that's key. Um, and then, um, you know, water quality issues. I mean, we're hearing so much about PFAS and other emerging contaminants. Um, I think this is something that, um, you know, it's getting to be pretty major on the radar of water utilities across the country. And I mean, I can remember, you know, maybe six, seven years ago, like the first early stories of, I'm I'm up here in New Hampshire and we were one of the first areas I think where there was PFAS um, detected and that it had affected a, a local water system. And so um, to kind of see that where it's just sort of, you know, permeating out and it, we're realizing that this really is, um, this isn't going away. We've got to figure out how to deal with it. So technologies for detection down to the low limits that that we're talking about maybe having to test to. um, Technologies for uh, not just capturing PFAS, but destroying it because of course, you know, it doesn't go away. So you can't, you know, it's got to go somewhere. So I think these are going to be really interesting and uh, hot areas to keep an eye on. Uh, as we head into to twenty three,
3: I would agree, and i' I'm already seeing a lot of content being produced around these topics, both from regular, a regulatory perspective, but also the vendor and equipment supplier perspective. And so I wanted to get your take on the world of content, Angela. A lot of folks and and from what I, you know ex- have experienced, especially for like a, a traditional vendor of an equipment or service, They're not really thinking about a a content strategy in any meaningful way. It's still sort of business as usual, you know, drive around to the treatment plants, pawn my wares, open up my trunk type situation. How can someone in in, one, why would someone in that sort of state of mind, why would they go on a content journey? And then secondly, like, where do they start? What's a a simple way to sort of get yourself out there and shine another light on what you're doing? Mm
0: -hmm. That's a, it's a, it's a tough question. There's so many ways to produce content. Um, I think the key is that you have to produce something that your audience is going to consume, wherever that is, that that they might be. Um, If you have a really big email list, for example, maybe you wanna do some kind of a newsletter or uh, maybe like a blog type thing that you can share with with that um, audience. Again, staying away from the commercial product pitching, but talking about the challenge. Show that you understand what your customers' pain points are, because at the end of the day, that's that's what they care about. How are you going to make my job easier? How are you going to solve this problem for me? So talk about that challenge. So, so I think a newsletter is probably an easy um, entry point, you know, if you've got that audience, if you don't have that audience, um, of course, social media is, you know, a a good way, but it's, it's been my experience and from surveys and things that we've done, um, that's going to be a very small sliver of the operator and utility staff, you know, ecosystem. Um, I think probably, you know, getting into trade publications where they've got a bigger reach and, there is still, you know, quite an, an appetite for print content, even, even though it's, you know, it's gotten so much harder over the last decade to show that ROI for, for print content because you, you don't have the, the click through rates that, that you um, have with, with email campaigns. But, but we know, you know, from feedback, that we hear from, from people out there in the field that they are reading these publications. So, uh, try to understand what publications your audience is consuming and see what you can do to try to get in there with thought leadership articles, um, you know, these kind of case studies, you know, challenge solution type articles, things that are going to resonate with the customers that you're trying to, to serve.
3: It's a, it's a good point. Um, just sort of a sideline. I was thinking about, you know, you go to a doctor's office and they they still have these magazines sitting around all over the place. They have racks of magazines. They're either, you know, in, a, in some sort of vertical holder or they're sitting on the table and they basically live forever. I mean, there's copies that will go back like two years. And because there's nothing else to read, you're if you're not scrolling on your phone, you're like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll pick it up. The same thing would go for a utility, a rural water utility, as an example. Like you go into whatever office they might have, chances are there's going to be a bunch of magazines strewn all over the place. And they're basically Mm -hmm. going to live forever. So if a vendor is sitting there waiting and comes across your thing and reads it, or another utility comes to visit and they're waiting for a meeting and they just happen to pick up a magazine or I grab a cup of coffee. Like in our industry, that still is a very viable way to attract eyeballs. And I, I think it's a great point, Angela. Like a lot of people don't think about the value of that kind of stuff because you're right. You can't see click-through rates. You can't see, you know, dwell time. You can't, you know, have all that other data.
0: Right. And we've become such data junkies, yes. you know, over the last few years. Um, but, but yes, you know, I, I, I think that's a great point, Adam, you know, if, if you're going into an office, look and see what's on their tables, you know, at that utility you're visiting, um, those are the publications that, you know, you're going to want to find out what kind of opportunities you have to, um, get your message, you know, shared there. So, and the pass along value of that too, you know, that might go to one person at the utility, but all the people that come in to visit and other staff members, you know, are going to have access to that too, and that's hard to quantify, but it's uh, has has value.
2: So, Angel, going into twenty twenty three, what is Rogue Monkey uh, Media um, telling their clients? Well, what's what's some advice that you would give that you feel is, you know, advice you're giving to your clients uh, going into next year?
0: Um, I think probably. You know, one of the biggest pieces of advice is know your audience. You have to understand your audience. You have to know who you're talking to um, in order to work backwards and craft the message that's going to resonate the best. Um, and, you know, there are different ways to understand your audience. I mean, you can, you know, do surveys, you can work with, you know, other entities, such as publications, you know, to try to understand like who, Who are these people what are the demographics what are their pain points what are they what keeps them up at night um but you know whatever those steps are for you you need to kind of go through those to understand who you're talking to i I, I, think the rest of it it's going to be hard to be successful without that it's really the fundamental building block
2: Meet them where they're at, right? So if they're into video, then you need to present video. Or if they're social media, like you said, yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And most likely, you know, any particular audience is going to be a mix of all of that, right? right. Like there's just going to be some that that respond better to other things. And so being able to take a single piece of content and format it in different ways, um, you'll get the, you know, the biggest bang for your effort there, uh, creating something once that can be extrapolated out to different platforms, if you will.
2: Sure.
3: Angela, time flies when we talk about talking about water. So we are coming up on the end of the podcast, which is crazy to think through. And we do have one final question for you, which is Uh the same question that we ask all of our guests. May come as a surprise unless you've been doing some diligence watching. Past episodes. I think
0: I know. I think I know. All right. Coming.
3: Okay. So Jim and I have an airplane. Don't ask me how we got it, but we got it, and we're gonna pick you up, and we're gonna fly you around the world, and we're gonna fly over the home of every water professional, and you get the chance to have a banner behind that airplane to share any message you want. What do you want that banner to say? Oh
0: my gosh! You know, I have stressed about this question. This has kept me up. <laughs> And I don't know if I have a good answer because there's so many things I would want to say. But I think um, I think you know, for water utilities, water, wastewater utilities, um, share your stories. You've got to share your stories because you might think that you're the only utility having this problem or this issue. You I guarantee you, you are not. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of other utilities out there who are facing the same challenges you know tr- struggling with the same issues um share your stories because you might help somebody and not even realize that you have that that power that gift that you can share
2: no, that's great angela uh all the, all the information you gave is going to be really worthwhile for our audience so i really appreciate your time and and putting the thought into uh, this interview so thanks so much
0: thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it love what you're doing and keep up the great work